you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. All right. Thank you, John. Should be unmuted here. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, as John said, look at that typing under pressure. Good job. Um, uh, as, as John said, uh, Pastor Todd and his crew uh, are in Colorado enjoying some, some family time. So uh, I have the privilege and pleasure to uh, speak with you this morning and to uh, share God's word uh, with you. Before we uh, begin, why don't we, why don't we pray together? Now, Heavenly Father, we rejoice that God, all scripture is God-breathed, that God is useful for teaching. I pray that God, if there is anything of use that comes about this morning, that God, you would cause it to be remembered. And that God, if I would say anything that is contrary to your word, that is contrary to your scripture, that God, you would cause it to be forgotten. Holy Spirit, guide us as we hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, amen. Well, good morning. As we begin, I want to invite you to turn uh, in your Bible. Uh, old school, or navigate on your phone to Acts chapter 15, if you would. So as you know, we've been going through Acts together. We've been going through uh, this book for the past several weeks. And so Acts, or Acts of the Holy Spirit and of the Apostles, right, is really nothing short of miraculous. So before we begin today, Let's take a brief look at where we've been so far. We've seen the ascension of Jesus into heaven, right? Someone forgot to put a string on him. This went right up. We've seen the receiving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. We've seen the church's first martyr in Stephen. We've seen the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus. We've seen salvation extended to the Gentiles, those outside of God's people, via Peter's preaching at the house of Cornelius. We've seen Peter's miraculous escape from prison. And last week, we heard from John Johnson about the journey of Paul and Barnabas around Asia Minor and the subsequent preaching of the gospel to the cities included in that journey. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit and the absolute faithfulness and tenacity of the early Christians, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's spreading like absolute wildfire throughout the world, right? The same power that rose Jesus from the dead, it's propelling these believers to proclaim the supremacy and the salvation of Jesus Christ with absolute clarity, conviction, and boldness, right? And it cannot, it cannot be stopped. Acts is really a book about the Spirit of God that just cannot be stopped. So you guys want to murder Stephen? You want to kill and scatter the believers? That's fine. We'll just preach Christ in every place that we end up. Saul, you want to persecute the believers? How about this? I'm just going to blind you. I'm going to convert you and give you the power to preach and suffer for my name, not persecute it. You want to throw Peter in prison? That's fine. He'll get poked awake by an angel and he'll literally just walk out of a guarded, locked prison, right? 
I can barely navigate a broken doorknob. And Peter just walks out of this prison. Just walks out. My point is that in Acts, that God is on the move, is he not? And, on, and one of the massive ways that he's on the move is the salvation of those um, outside of God's chosen people, right? Meaning who? Does anyone know the word for that? Yeah, Gentiles, you and me, right? You see, naturally, as we see this, um, this, this grafting of these Gentiles into God's people, into Israel, there's going to be a few questions, right? <laughs> it's a major shift in the history of God's people, and uh, there's going to be some questions. And so the early church in Antioch is wrestling with this question. What is required of Gentiles in order that they may partake in the salvation of the Lord, right? What is required of Gentiles in order that they may partake in the salvation of the Lord? So that brings us to today. Uh, you'll see it uh, if you have your scripture in front of you. Uh, the header for the section is called The Council at Jerusalem, and it is in Acts chapter 15. So let's begin today. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers that unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So what's going on here? So according to the men from Judea, the answer to the church at Antioch is this, that unless Gentiles are circumcised, they cannot be saved. That unless they partake in Jewish custom, they cannot belong to God. But what are they saying in addition to this specific issue of circumcision, right? So verse 5 tells us a little bit more. Then some of the believers, this is in, in Jerusalem, uh, after Paul and Barnabas and other believers have traveled there. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. All right, so I can hear a bit what you're thinking. I'm going to take a guess. So what is the question about circumcision in the first century? What does that have to do with us today? Interesting, right? So the answer to that is our destination, but we're going to take a few uh, exit ramps before we get there. And so that leads me to the first of my three points this morning as we discuss the law of Moses and what they're talking about. Number one, the law is a blessing. So what am I talking about when I say the law, right? So I'm talking about the, you guys may be familiar with this word, I'm talking about Torah, right? T-O-R-A-H. The first five books of the Bible, right, that are attributed to Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? 
And the word Torah uh, translates not just to uh, the word law as we would understand it, uh, but rather to uh, the word instruction, right? God's words about our ways of life uh, hitting the mark, so to speak. So, uh, you know, imagine uh, an archer with an arrow knocked, string pulled backside on the target, right? Torah is what ensures that that archer hits the mark. So it's not just what we would say uh, as a law or set of rules to follow, but rather uh, instruction about how, that we, how we would maybe go about our lives and live our lives with others. And I think if we're honest, I'll be honest with you, this morning, we tend to have this kind of weird relationship with the law, don't we? Um, in this time and place, uh, in, on this side of the cross, the law of Moses doesn't seem to really even fit with how we view and live our faith, right? Uh, when someone calls into KTIS with their life verse, they usually aren't quoting the Torah, right? You don't see a lot of scriptures from Numbers pop up. It's kind of like a puzzle piece, and we have about 100 puzzles at our house. Uh, it's like a puzzle piece that has a tab broken off, right? Like you, you see where it fits in the puzzle, but you place it there, and it just won't click. It just doesn't quite make sense. But that's not necessarily how the early Jewish Christians saw the law, right? But let's go back even further than the early church. Let's go back a thousand years. What does King David say about the law? Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2, you've probably heard this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Would you meditate day and night on something you didn't think was beautiful and useful? I don't think I would. Let's skip back ahead. Let's get in the DeLorean and go back to the future here. New Testament, 2 Timothy 3.16. You've probably heard this as well. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's a question. Who, uh, who wrote 2 Timothy? Anyone know? Yeah. One of the characters in our story today, the Apostle Paul. So what was Scripture to Paul as he wrote to Timothy? What was he referencing? Yeah, the Old Testament. What we'd say, or what we'd call the Old Testament. Which included what? The law of Moses, right? So let's bring it back to our topic today. We kind of poke fun at the Pharisees, right? They're like the villain of every Sunday school kid, you know? <laughs> they got the beards. They're big killjoys. No one likes them. But they're not requiring anything unique, right, when they say this. The act of circumcision is found in the law of Moses. It's something sacred and God-breathed, correct? See, the law is and was a blessing to those who would sit and meditate on it day and night. So what now? The law is a blessing. But let's continue. 
Acts 15, verses 6 through 10. We're going to skip to verse 6 here. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? Number two, the law is a burden. How does Peter describe the law? Describes it as a yoke, right? Not an egg yoke, but a heavy harness you put on animals to help them work, right? You see in those pictures of those animals in the fields working with the yoke that is binding them? You see, while, God, while the, the law is God's instruction towards his people, it also points us to our what? To our sin. To our failure to live up to his law. It's a yoke. It's a, it's a burden that we carry. And by doing so, we're so, uh, we're so utterly uh, aware of our own sin and shortcomings, right? And we, we feel the weight of this every day, do we not? Maybe you don't. I do. Um, you ever know what you should do and then don't do it? Ever do something that you know you should not do, but you go ahead anyway? Something to think about. We miss the mark, and we sail that arrow. It, um, it reminds me of uh, some deer hunting that I did last fall. So, I'm in my tree stand, right? This beautiful deer has four legs, but two in my illustration here. I'm in my tree stand. This deer begins making its way towards me, right? Um, some of your hearts are already pounding. Mine was, of course. You think they can see it through your shirt. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so I wait, right? I wait, I don't know. Feels about like five minutes, probably 10, 20 seconds maybe. So I wait for it to turn. It turns. I draw back, right? Draw back. Pin on the target. <laughs> Clean miss right over, right? My wife doesn't miss. She's a righteous woman. Um, I promise you, I, I wanted nothing more in that moment than to hit the mark, right? Despite my best efforts, my instruction, my training, missed. And that's us, right? And that's the law. You see, here's Peter's point. Why are you burdening these new believers with something that we cannot and we will not ever fulfill? You see, by commanding them to obey the law of Moses, why are you placing 
on them a yoke that we ourselves can't possibly bear. If the Jewish believers can't bear it, the Gentiles who want to belong to the people of God can't bear it. Who can bear it? Acts 15, verse 11. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Point number three, the law is fulfilled. The law is a blessing, the law is a burden, and the law is fulfilled. Question, do you, uh, does anyone here recall anyone else in the New Testament talking about a yoke? certain Jewish God-man, maybe? Pick your Sunday school answer. Yeah. Jesus talks about a yoke, doesn't he? So what does he have to say? Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my, what's the word, yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this is a big question for the church, right? The early church. What must these Gentiles do that they may be called people of God? So I'll ask this again. What does a question about circumcision in the first century, what does that have to do with us today in 2021 in Ellsworth, Wisconsin on this beautiful Sunday morning? Uh, it's everything, really, believe it or not. It's not an obscure reference to the law of Moses, right? That this would be included in that God-breathed scripture for us to hear 2,000 years later. It's not an obscure reference to the law of Moses. But it, rather, it's a, it's a question that informs us even today of the grace that's given to us by God. So in the spirit of being uh, pragmatic, practical, I work in supply chain. I like to think I'm a practical, pragmatic person. If anyone here is wondering if you need to be circumcised to follow the law of Moses to be a Christian, the answer is, according to the council in Jerusalem, no. No. And here's why. John Johnson, you talked about an elevator speech last week, if you have one already. This is going to be my elevator speech here. <laughs> I'll do my best. Here's why. 
In Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the law of Moses has been perfectly fulfilled through perfect obedience. Right? What does Jesus say in the New Testament? What are his words? I have not come to abolish the law, right, but to fulfill it. See, he lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death we should have died. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that lives in you and me, he was resurrected from the dead. See, his death is our death. His resurrection is our resurrection, right? Our place, our position, our standing with God is that of peace and eternity. All because of the righteousness of Christ given freely to us by grace through faith. Just like Peter said, by grace through faith for the Jewish believers, the Gentile believers, for all of human history. That means that we need not bear the yoke, that heavy yoke of the law, for our salvation and right standing with God, as these men from Judea would state to the church of Antioch. But as Peter said, it is by grace, through faith, that we receive our salvation, the forgiveness of sin, and are given the right to be called children of God. Pretty good news, right? You see, we fix our eyes not on the law, but the lawgiver. We do not bind others to the law, but relieve them with the easy yoke that is in Christ, right? We place our faith not in what is required of us, but what has been accomplished on our behalf. We walk in the wisdom of the law, but, in, but we rest in Jesus, the one who has fulfilled it. And that's the word for us today. And if you are here or listening online, maybe you have that same question that maybe those Gentile believers had. What do I do? Is there salvation for me? Yes. <laughs> yes, there is. In Jesus Christ, by grace through faith, there is salvation for everyone. Maybe you feel as if you could not be a part of God's people from what you've done, what you've failed to do. That's no different than any of us here today, right? We sin not just in thought, word, and deed, but because of our nature, right? And God makes us a new creation, right? We're not, we're not the beta version, and then we go to 2.0, right? We're a whole new creation in Christ, in the salvation that he gives us freely by grace through faith. So there's good news. The law it's a blessing, a burden, but it's been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And in him we have salvation, we have peace, 
We have right standing with him. And that's a beautiful thing to think about this morning. Is it not? Amen. I want to invite the worship team up as I pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we know that we could not possibly bear the yoke of the law. God, we know that it is only in Jesus and through his righteousness, God, that we are able to be called children of God. We thank you for that this morning. God, your word says that once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. We have reason to sing and to celebrate the grace that pours into our life every single day. Thank you for this time, Lord, and thank you for your word to us today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Well, please stand with us uh, as you're able as we sing our closing song here this morning. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.